Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze from Florida. Produced by the National Wrestling Podcast Alliance, your seal of quality on this wrestling podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Professor Jeremy Vilmer. Joining us now, the namesake of the show, Bobby Blaze. Hey, Professor, what a great intro, man. Yeah, we're coming to you from the Sunshine State today, man. This should be a really, really interesting and hopefully fun uh, podcast today, man. I, I We've had this on the back burner for like two weeks yeah. due to the fact we had a, a great interview with Ron Fuller last week on that episode. Man, if you're just now tuning in and you haven't heard last week's episode of Ron Fuller, I highly encourage you to go back and, and listen to that episode just, you know, as soon as you can. You know, we when we get a guest like that, we will adjust our uh, a calendar and recording time accordingly. Yes. And uh, we did so for Ron, and it turned out to be pretty damn awesome, man. And uh, so we've had this uh, championship wrestling Florida on the back burner for a couple weeks now. So we hope that uh, hope this one brings you some good, good uh, fun memories and some good entertainment. Just have some good times with is what we planned on doing with this episode. So exactly, yeah. and and I hope we do it justice. Because yes, that was a thing. Thank yeah. you. Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to or aren't aware of or don't know anything about Ron Fuller, which I imagine most of our audience does, but if not, stop this episode, go back, listen to the Ron Fuller episode, then maybe go get a couple episodes of the uh, Studcast, then come back and we'll talk about Florida. So what's been going on, man? I know you got a couple of things um, weighing on you wanted to talk oh. to me about, and I think our listeners will be interested as well. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear your voice as I was this morning, just so you know. Oh, well, thank you. It, it yes. was uh, it was a little little hit and miss come Thursday. thought I was having another heart attack when I got to work that morning. Oh, man, geez. I, the center of my chest hurt, which not the same place or the same amount as when I had my heart attack, but, you know, similar. Mm -hmm. My left shoulder and my left tricep all ached as well. Uh. So I, you know, after everybody else got in, because I opened and I had to wait for the other inside salesman and the uh, ops manager to come in, and I told them, hey, I have to go to the hospital. And then, you know, the ops manager, she's like, do you need me to give you a ride? Do you want me to call an ambulance? I said, if if I go right at this moment, I'm fine. I said, but if I dick around, it's, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I get in the car, I drive to the hospital, and now I'm starting to panic, okay? And you got to remember, my blood pressure, I just come back from a doctor's appointment the week before that. Right, where, I was aware of that. Yeah, where my blood pressure, so my medication is no longer controlling my blood pressure. I'm I'm 180 and up all the time now. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm spotty as it is. That's why I'm especially freaked out right now. So as I'm driving, I can feel my blood pressure going up. I, as I pull into the hospital parking lot, I can feel myself getting lightheaded. Go tell the check-in people what I'm doing. And they take my blood pressure 212 over one, 110 or something. I mean, just off the charts. Oh man. Yeah. So they check me in and we're going and he's pulling an EKG and the guy's coughing and coughing. I'm like, Hey man, your, your cough's making me nervous. <laughs> he's like, Oh, I just got over COVID. And I went, Oh, ha ha ha. Oh, uh, ha ha ha. Right. You know, Oh, that's funny. That's, that's funny. He's no, no, no. He's this is my first, uh, first week back. I was fuck, how long were you laid up? He's like, oh, four or five weeks. I'm like, Jesus Christ, now I'm going to die, you know. Man, this day's only getting worse, oh, Jeremy. Oh, Bobby, it gets worse. Yeah, they, they check me in, they take me back to the emergency, and they get me to bed, and they're, hey, you know, take your clothes off, put on this gown, blah, blah, blah. And I tell the girl, I said, I, I have to pee. And she's like, well, let me see if I can find a urinal. And I said, I'm not a pee in a urinal standing behind a curtain kind of guy. So all this other shit goes on, and I walk over to the bathroom, use the bathroom, come back. 
And uh, somebody comes in to do x-rays and they sit my, my bed at a full 90 degree angle. She does the x-rays, leaves, but leaves the bed at a full 90. And I don't know how the fuck to adjust it. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and then some guy comes over, and he raises the sidearms on the bed. Well, this other guy, they bring in. I can hear him yelling as he's coming in. Oh, oh, I just want to die. Oh, fuck. Oh, I'm dying. Oh, you got it. Somebody kill me. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I'm going to have to kill this guy. <laughs> you did him a favor. Yeah. And oh, yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. This guy, he's he's laying there screaming. And just the whole time, and yelling and yelling, and oh, and you'd hear him, he'd start coughing, and you'd hear him hawk a loogie and spit. I'm throwing up blood, man. There's blood oh, everywhere, man. Oh, and he, I was there for five hours. The fucker did not shut up the whole fucking time. Well, about two hours into this, nobody's coming to check on me. I'm in a bed that's been stuck at a perfect 90 degree angle. The side arms are up. This fucking guy's been yelling the whole time. My mouth is dry, and I have to piss again. And nobody's come in and nobody's come in and my Jeez. blood pressure. I'm watching. They got it down to like 120 and then I'm watching it go back up. We all the way back up into the 160s, 170s, 180s. And now I'm starting to panic. You know, they're going to keep me here. I'm going to die. I've got COVID. This cocksucker's probably going to get put in my room. Oh, this God. fucking guy keeps yelling and yelling. Well, I stand up and look out of the curtain because I'm freaking out. And the, the nurse who was waiting on me or waiting on us Comes in, you could tell she was just fucking done with everybody and kind of gave me the what, you two kind of shit, you know? Yeah. So I told her, I said, look, I'm fucking, my mouth is super dry. I'm freaking out over the numbers. This asshole won't shut up and uh, I have to piss. Well, she gets me a glass of water and a urinal, sets the back of the bed down, fucking drops the arms. I get back in the bed. Now I'm, now I'm cool. Now I'm comfortable. Yeah. I was having a full fucking panic attack before this, right? So Fuck. now I'm calm enough that I start making up a backstory for this cocksucker next to me. <laughs> you know, just real talk. I, I raised a drug addict. I know what drug seeking behavior sounds like. I know what opiate withdrawals look like. I, you know, I, I'm in my head. I'm like, yep, this guy's drying up off of opiates. Cause the whole time he's in there, you got to give me morphine, man. And Xanframs oh, and all he's naming off these drugs by name. And I'm just yeah. like, yep, that's that's a guy who fucking checked in just to come get drugs. So now I'm listening as the doctor goes in and starts talking to him. And, you know, and the whole time, this guy, oh, I'm dying, man. There's blood everywhere. And the nurse is going, there's no blood. There's no blood in here. You're not throwing up. You're spinning. So the doctor yeah. goes in, and I can hear the doctor. And I'm I'm just waiting. I'm just like, okay, how, how quick do we get to the opiate addiction, right? And I'm listening, I'm listening. The guy's like, oh, you got to give me morphine. And the doctor says to me, he's like, look, you were here yesterday. You have a serious marijuana allergy. You need to quit smoking marijuana. And I'm like, all this over fucking marijuana? Oh, man. Three or four fucking hours of this asshole screaming his fucking head off over marijuana? I am going to have to kill this cocksucker, you know? And um, Yeah, you should at that point. Oh, fuck. <laughs> You know, so, I mean, so let's get this straight. So weed is legal out there in California, yeah, correct? Yes. So just for our international listeners, in case you don't know that, California does have free, not free, it's legal weed. I wish they had free weed everywhere, but yeah, mm -hmm. legal weed. And so this cocksucker's over withdrawing from uh, being allergic to marijuana. Yeah. And so that okay. this guy screamed for five, I was there for five and a half hours. He screamed the entire time. Wouldn't stop. Wouldn't stop. They drugged him at one point. He quit for about 15 minutes and that yeah. was it. So finally a doctor comes in and he's like, Hey, you're, um, there's a, um, uh, 
uh, there's a chemical your body makes only when you're having a heart attack. Okay. My blood check came back clear. Okay. So my, I was not having a heart attack. He looks at me. He goes, he goes, he goes, do you, do you feel sick to your stomach a lot in the morning? I'm like, yeah. He goes, um, I think you've got acid reflux. And I'm like, motherfucker. So oh, this, this guy's got a pot allergy and I've got fucking acid reflux. And that's the only reason I've been here for almost six fucking hours. Yeah. So they uh, run another set of blood tests. Another hour and a half went by. They cut me loose. I come home. I sleep on the couch. I'm fucking dog tired because I couldn't rest at all at the hospital and I was stressed right. out. How and, could you? Yeah. yeah. So I fall asleep <laughs> on the couch for a couple hours, get up, play a video game. Uh, I think I might have worked on the notes for this episode. But I was not drinking, was not smoking, was not doing anything that would treat my body like a, uh, you know, a fun yeah. bark. <laughs> and I went to bed at about 10 o'clock because I'm exhausted. Now, I'm I'm a weird sleeper. I normally sleep through everything, but sometimes I'll wake myself up by snoring or I'll think I hear something while I'm asleep and it wakes me up. Well, I thought I heard a knock at my door at 1230 at night. Oh, that's fucking ridiculous. Right. Right. So I roll back over and all of a sudden my doorbell rings five or ten times. Ding, 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 ding. So what the fuck? So I stand up, <laughs> pull my shirt on, pull on a pair of pants, and I'm like stuffing my pockets down in my pants as I go to the door and I open the door and there's two cops standing there. And I've got, <laughs> I've got my hand in my pocket, right? And I'm stuffing my pocket down. It's 1230 at night. The cop looks at me, puts his fucking hand on his revolver, and slides his lead leg back a little bit. <laughs> and I'm thinking, motherfucker, you just rang my doorbell at 1230 at night. Yeah. And you're looking at me like I'm doing something fucking weird. And the guy looks at me and he goes, oh, you're not Noe or whatever the fuck name he said, right? Turns around and walks off from my door to my neighbor's door. The other cop looks at me and he goes, oh, hey, is so-and-so here? I said, dude, I'm the only one here. I don't know who either of those fucking people are. Yeah. So, okay. So I look, I was looking out there. The other guy's knocking on the door. The other cop turns his back to me. I shut my door. Not a, oh, hey, we're sorry to have woken you up. Oh, hey, yeah. sorry to have bought nothing. Just like, oh, fuck you. And then turned his back. Yeah. The guy put his hand on his gun. If yeah. I had been a 20 year old kid, a black kid, I'd probably be dead. Yeah. Woken up in the middle of the fucking night because they had the wrong fucking place. You know, yep. so yeah. See, that's uh, just that's this a is fuck, crazy stuff. That's so you gotta be a, careful open your door yeah. late at night like that, man. Oh yeah, I know. But here's the thing, I was dead asleep. Yeah. You know, well, um, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm obviously my my brain is not clear because fucking I probably would have brought a baseball bat or something with me. You know, my hand is in my pocket because I'm trying to stuff my pocket back down in my pants because I just got dressed in the dark in a hurry because yeah. you you All obviously right. weren't gonna stop ringing my doorbell. I know there's one other thing you want to talk to me about too. We'll kind of uh, tone it up, tune it up here in just a, in a hot minute, folks. Yeah, let's let's, let's go on to this. There, if there, you wanted to bring up uh, something, I believe someone passed away. Uh, Rick, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's Rick Drayson. Um, Drayson, yeah, yeah. I was say Drayson for some reason. Drayson, Rick Drayson, Drayson. Yeah, and uh, see, Rick Grayson is Batman's uh, ward. Who was I, also, I know that's yeah. why. We, Yes, yeah. it was International Batman Day or some shit. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, go ahead. Tell but us. Yeah, so last week I had seen somebody tweet about this, and I'd forgotten about it. But Rick Drayson, was a, uh, he had a small wrestling school and promotion in Southern California. Um, he designed the Gold's Gym logo back in the day. Nice. He was the middle guy between Bill Bigsby and Lou Ferrigno on the Incredible Hulk transformation on the TV show. 
when you watch a lot of television shows that are shot in Southern California, you'll see him quite often playing like a badass biker or something. Cause he, mm-hmm. dude, dude was huge. Yeah. You know, he was like yeah. a superstar Billy Graham kind of build, you know? Yeah. Um, but apparently he passed away at the end of August and I had missed it and I'd followed him on Facebook and stuff just cause he was kind of an interesting guy. You know, he knew, right. he knew Gene LaBelle and all these cats. And, you know, like I said, he ran that small wrestling fed. So it's just, uh, you know, I read his book back 15, 10, 15 years ago that was uh, called, so you want to be a wrestling promoter, which was really interesting because I knew nothing about the behind the scenes of wrestling at yeah. the time. So I just, you know, I saw that he passed away. Just wanted to mention it because um, he was a really interesting cat and might be worth yeah. checking out for some people. And uh, if nothing else, maybe you'll go watch a couple episodes of the uh, Incredible Hulk TV show, which was not yeah, that bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But let's go ahead. Let's roll into something positive and yeah. talk about. And I'm going to alternate between these names because I can never remember which one goes to what. So Championship Wrestling from Florida slash Florida Championship Wrestling. Not the one that became NXT, the original. Yeah. We, let's see, Bobby, so I started discovering episodes of some of their shows on YouTube. Yes. And I don't think, I mean, I knew Florida was a big deal, and like, you know, Butch Reed and a bunch of these, Dusty and all these guys came out of there. I don't think I realized how good their their programming was. Oh, man, it's excellent. Um, And uh, on that channel, let's give that out real quick. If you go to 106 uh, North Albany YouTube channel or in Albany, it's um it's where the Sportatorium was at uh, there in Tampa, Florida. But that's uh, whoever's running that YouTube channel. If you're out there listening, keep it up, man, because they're uploading great, great stuff, matches and commentary and TVs, and it's it's a really good channel. And I, they still they keep adding stuff, so it's very active. I, I I'm glad it's out there. Again, it's 106 North Albany. Uh, Home of the Sportatorium there is what they're labeling under. Championship wrestling from Florida dates back to 1943 with the Florida Heavyweight Championship in February of 1944 when they had their first champion. Is that correct? Uh, As far as Uh, I followed, yes. As far as we know, okay. Uh, They did a weekly TV there at the Tampa Sportatorium that held approximately 75 to 100 fans in bleacher seating. And uh, throughout the years, they treated the TV matches uh, involving many of the uh, territory's up-and-coming stars with the NWA champion of the time. And uh, this was a different era, folks, and they had a world traveling champion back then. And Florida was usually, it was booked as a a virtual uh, landmine for the title holder that had to go through that territory. And um, we're just going to give you a little brief history there. I'll let Jeremy go back and and fill in some gaps there for me, what I just now read off our notes uh, while acting like I'm trying not to read them. But but the bottom line was... um, when I got, by the time I got to Florida uh, to train, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit later on, the um, some of the guys that grew up and lived in Florida, man, they, they were tape traders back then, you know, VHS tapes. And I got to go watch some of these shows, and I'd forgotten. And I was just like, how good, you know, some of the talent was that came through there and the many stars that came through there. So um, while, while in the last three or four weeks, Watching some stuff. I think it started on a Sunday night with a with a uh, a battle of the belt. You said you had sent me something like a Wednesday or Thursday, and I I didn't open it until that till we got off the air on that Sunday, and I watched a two hour program. It was like, man, they had some of the greatest uh, wrestlers through the, 
of all time come through Florida. Everyone. Oh, you know, yeah. Everyone. And I can't imagine. Uh, I know what I saw just growing up in Memphis, how I just use the word blessed or whatever you want to call it there. But I got to see all those Memphis growing up, you know, and then ICW and this and that and eventually NWA. But then people in Florida, they're getting to see this, you know, guys already just talking, you know, give or take a few years either way. They got to watch this weekly TV program and also they had weekly matches because it was such a uh, people wanted to go there and work to make money and also because of the travel and also because of the weather, you know, for the yeah. most part. Um, so, yeah, anyway, fill us in some more, Jeremy, or Professor, because uh, this is probably Professor talk now with the history and stuff. We're going to try to have some fun with it, too. And we come up about 10 things we're going to talk about here, give or take a couple. But, um, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do a good little list for you folks out there. So go ahead, Professor. Well, I discovered Championship Wrestling for Florida, and obviously I'd heard about it, and I knew the, the Graham name. Sure. Knew, knew the guys that had come out of there. But when you go and you actually start watching older episodes and seeing the stuff that's going on and how, and we're going to cover some of these in specific, but how the origin of certain characters starts here and then lasts throughout the rest of these people's careers. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible to watch and how many big matches. I mean, Bobby, that one I sent you, I think Nick Bockwinkle had a title defense on the same show as Harley Race having a title yes, defense. Yes. And that, you know, these days that is just, you could you put your mind around an AEW title match at the same place as the WWE title match? Yeah, I see some people doing their fantasy booking on those uh, tweets sometimes. Just keep wishful thinking people saying, well, if you had the AWA and you could wrestle in the WWE, who would you match up? It ain't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like back in the day. You know, we've talked about this before where some shows where they've had, you know, the uh, WWE, F champion uh, against the AWA champion against the NWA champion on, you know, different shows throughout the country and the mm-hmm. world, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's different time, folks. So if wishes with horses, beggars would ride. As we were just talking about the NWA coming back, we got to just keep wishing, I guess, and, yeah. and beg a ride yep. <laughs> uh, um, for these matches. But these matches back then, man, man, you had everyone on these shows. Oh, yeah. And uh, then just getting into the territorial thing here, and we'll talk about the titles and whatnot yeah. as we go. but. So you as NWA champion, by the time you hit Florida, you would often have a Southern champion you had to face, a Florida state champion you had to face. Sometimes it might be the NWA Southern champion. Sometimes it might be the AWA Southern champion, just depending on what was flowing through at the time and who was holding what. And the talent there is just off the, tar- off the charts. I mean, not even just the in-ring talent, just the guys who would go on to become incredible bookers coming yeah. through Florida is just outstanding. Yeah, well, we talked about Eddie and uh, Eddie Graham and Mike Graham eventually. Uh, we know Dusty booked for a while. Um, there was other couple names that come up. I know Dory Funk Jr. booked for a while. Um, you know, I'm sure there's been some other people. And I would imagine that um, that Kevin had some, you know, Kevin Sullivan probably had something, or Gary Hart probably had something to do with some booking with that. Um, I would imagine there's been some other people to help with the booking through the years that were not, you know, obviously – Naming if if it's not a fact, but uh, lots of people. Um, you mentioned those titles, man. Uh, with Eddie Grant's booking, one title they had they had an NWA Brass Knuckles Championship uh, down there. Uh, some say Eddie was the first champion. That's who I would think. But uh, to Wikipedia, it said Danny McShane was uh, the first one. But the reason I like that title is because uh, my uh, mentor, uh, Professor Malenko, he had eight reigns as the uh, NWA Brass Knuckles knew this. I didn't know exactly eight. I knew it was quite a few uh, dating back from 1962 when he first arrived in Florida and worked there. But from 68 to 72, he had eight different title reigns uh, as a, a brass knuckles champion. 
Jack Briscoe had it for zero days, so I'm wondering if he won it in the afternoon show and lost it that night. You know, at a night show. I'm not sure how that worked. That was the shortest reign for that. Bobby Duncan had the longest title reign. Um, Ty, uh, Tarzan Tyler had um, uh, 45 years old, was the oldest. And a young Dusty Rhodes, a young Dusty Rhodes, 25 years old, when he had the uh, uh, NWA Brass Knuckles champion. But I saw, you know, as I was reading this, it was just talking about how Eddie, you know, with his booking, everyone admires how, how well Eddie Graham booked things. He started thinking about different ways for attractions, too, that every match meant something. So when you had the NWA tag team, championship match and you had like you might have the the u the nwa southern heavyweight champion on there and then of course on the big show you'd have the nwa you know world champion on your show so you could have all these different uh matches on your on your on your wrestling program man and i, I alluded to this earlier up to the top there um and professor you may be able to clear this up better than why i may say it but it's um on the tv and i like this um the way they did it apparently was if they had a big event, say, in Miami or down Tampa and, and there was a title change or, or something took place, they had that canned for when the show came on TV. They would they would they would pitch that into the program yeah. of their TV, weekly TV show. So they said, oh, by the way, in Tampa this past weekend, you know, Harley raced, you know, and they'll show footage from that. And I, I thought that was really cool the way they did it with Gordon Soley, who we're going to talk about as well. So anyway, go on, Professor. Uh, leave me somewhere else. And just kind of going through some of those championship uh, prestigious titles that were defended there. Oh, sure. Uh, we had that listed at number nine, folks, just so you know. We've kind of jumped around a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, we're, a little, so, we're uh, a little rusty on our, our standard yeah, format here. Yeah. But, um, you know, let's let's talk about this real quick because it probably okay. should have been in a number, but we didn't do it. But um, yeah. There was a plane crash uh, around Tampa yeah. in 1975 that was a pretty monumental uh, incident. Um, it wounded Gary Hart and Austin Idol and Buddy Colton and killed Bobby Shane. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about who Bobby Shane was and why this was probably a pretty large loss, even though many younger people won't know who that is. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Uh, when I got, by the time I got to Tampa, of course I knew about that from being a wrestling fan. I remember, uh, not particularly that, that particular crash other than through the, uh, magazines back in the day, but you know, stuff that does make your, your, your news, traveling news as a, as a wrestling fan. So, you know, uh, the, um, apparently they left Miami and they was trying to go to uh, Tampa, but they was, um, I think it's over in Davis Island. I can't think of the name of the airport over there, but anyway, uh, buddy Colt, uh, Austin Idol, Gary Hart, I guess Gary, he, he went back out in the water, right? He yeah. went back out and got, um, both Idol and got Colt. Yeah. Out of there. Yeah. Um, he had severe damages, uh, injuries and, 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 um, managed to get to safety. Uh, like we said, I think he saw a light on a dock. When I read his book, if I'm not mistaken, he swam uh, to a dock and there was a light on the, on the door uh, or in the dock rather. And he got to the door and got help, but he went back out. And again, I think he got, you know, both of them out. I'm not sure what the sequence was on that, but um, Bobby Shane though, he was a, uh, at that time, he was an up-and-comer, and he was known as the king of wrestling, mm -hmm. and he gave Jerry Lawler his crown. 
And uh, people remembered him. He's probably going to be a similar to kind of like the, the David Von Erich type deal. You know, he was he was going somewhere with his career. And I, I never obviously got to see him wrestle or anything like that. But from everything I've heard, he's just phenomenal in the ring, uh, way ahead of his time. And, of course, if you go back and watch that footage, there is some footage out there on him. And I'd highly recommend doing that. Um, you know, not an overly bulky guy, but not a little guy. Not a great-looking guy, not an ugly guy. Not a great technician, but not a great brawler. Just has kind of a little bit of everything. Has a yeah. good look. Has good size. Mm-hmm. Can brawl and can wrestle. And he ties it all together. And, um, again, from this, from my understanding, too, he's a very good, well-spoken person. He knew how to speak and get over and talk people into the buildings, you know. So, oh, yeah. And, you know, if you go and you look at some of his accomplishments in his very short life, like he was 29 yeah. when he died. Yeah. Um, he had a win over Nick Bockwinkel for the Georgia Championship. He feuded with Jerry Briscoe um, for singles and tag team titles. I mean, the guy just, he he was in the right place at the right time um, as far as, like, his talent went and his ability to, like, draw eyeballs, apparently, yeah. because everybody who knows him, and obviously I just know by reputation and going back and reading things, and but yeah. everybody, everybody who saw him, when you hear these older guys talk about it still, they're just like, this... This was a, a Ric Flair. This was a guy yeah. who was, you know, this this guy was coming up. Um, I did kind of want to talk about Gary Hart for a second here. Cause yeah, I want to talk about Bobby one more thing. I'll, and and also I want to mention something about Buddy Colt. But I was going to tell you one more thing about Bobby Shane. Mm-hmm. The um, If I'm not mistaken, uh, I'm almost positive I, I'll get two of these right. Um, Brad Armstrong told me about him. He saw him as a young boy when he was in uh, the Georgia area, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was either Brad or Scott one told me that, but um, someone that's a little bit older. I mean, we're, we're about the same age, uh, Brad and, and Scott and I were all around, give or take a year or so. But um, Robert Gibson, he, he, he had seen him work also. And he was told me about him before he said, cause he reminded me of his brother, uh, uh, Ricky Gibson. Yeah. He said they had a similar, you know, uh, style, uh, to what he liked when he was younger. You know, of course you're talking many, many years ago and Robert would have probably been like a rookie at that time. You know what I'm saying? So you, you probably watched every match, you know, and yeah. that, so I've heard from other people that actually saw him live too, you know, being younger guys at that time, really put him over, uh, go ahead. You was going to say something about Gary Hart there. Well, so Gary, I mean, he had his eyeball knocked out. I believe his leg was broken his collarbone was broken his um solar plex was crushed uh i mean he was in rough shape he swam out and rescued buddy colt and austin idol i don't know how much of a rescue it was but he went out got them brought them back while he was in that shape yeah um he would always blame himself for Bobby Shane's death. He thought he didn't do enough because Mm. eventually when they pulled the plane out of the water uh, Bobby Shane was still in the airplane. His foot appeared to have been stuck in the pilot seat where he was at. Yeah. And he just couldn't get free. Um, so, you know, Gary Hart blamed himself for that. And, you know, when I was looking into this a little bit, uh, I think Gary Hart blamed himself for Gino Hernandez's death, too. Like, he didn't do enough there. Yeah, so, that's what you were saying. Yeah. So that was, I know mean, I don't know if I'm reading into it or if that's, but Jesus yeah. Christ, that's a lot of weight for one guy to carry around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's maybe survivor's guilt, you know, Yeah. Uh, honestly. But uh, I read his book. Someone sent it to me. Actually, I think it was one of our fans from uh, France that sent me a um, uh, 
PDF copy of that. It's been a couple years since I read it. I want to say once they hit, and, I, and, and people please feel free to fact check and correct it. I want to say when they, they hit, um, he actually, like I said, he started swimming. He, he saw the light and got out and got, got to where he could get some help, but he went back and, like I said, he got one. I think he got like maybe idle first. I'm not sure which, what the sequence was, you know, and then, then went back and got buddy. I mean, and then three out of four people, you know, survived that crash. You know, you got to mm-hmm. look at that too. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just one of those things and that, that, that may be just survivor's guilt. You know, yeah. I don't know. Because uh, it sounds to me like he sure as hell did a lot, especially with the condition he was in. Um, that that had to be hard to do, though, man. You know. Speaking of Buddy Colt, I want to tell you. Uh, I mentioned to you this morning. I, I just real briefly. I got to meet Buddy Colt twice, and uh, both times just uh, just really coincidental. Just happened to run into him. I was at a. Um, I want to say it was either. Uh, a Labor Day, uh, probably around Labor Day, Memorial Day, one of those holidays, and it was doing something in, in Tampa when I lived there. I had to be at a radio station. It was just like a promotional or something. Honestly, can't remember what it was. might have even been for uh, public access TV. Anyway, I was doing something, and uh, I ran into Buddy Colt, and I uh, instantly recognized him and introduced myself. And, and, and um, very nice gentleman, very polite uh he was he was you know still doing the announcing then I guess it would be uh, uh, the uh, pro wrestling uh, championship wrestling from Florida at that point. But uh, then about uh, again maybe just two or three weeks later um, that must have been around Labor Day I don't say Labor Day weekend but but early in the summer weekend and then uh, uh, Dean and I had do, was out doing some stuff we we had, had planned on going to the gym or something he's gonna show me some things and have lunch and we had to run off some promotional stuff and once again. Um, uh, Dean obviously knew him a little better than I did. And, uh, this, like I said, only about two or three weeks had passed and, and kind of in the same area of Tampa. And, uh, there was Buddy Colt again. And, and, you know, uh, Dean said, Oh, and, you know, this is Bobby Black, you know, one He goes, Yeah, I just, we just met a couple of weeks ago, you know. And uh, once again, it's just one of those brief meetings, you know, that you just like moments that you shook a man's hand and you're like, Man, that to me, you know, that's a big deal for me. So I, I did get to meet him. Um, wow. I guess he was, like I said, he was doing the, um, uh, I guess it was as uh, champion. Let's see, was it pro wrestling? Is he pro wrestling from Florida? I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway, that's pretty cool. Um, I did eventually get to meet Austin Idol a few years ago. They had him up there when he was doing his podcast. Uh, uh, of course, we spoke about Malenko and 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 Jody Malenko and a couple other people that we knew. Uh, we didn't speak about the crash or anything, but yeah. I was just glad to see him back out. We. Growing up in the Memphis territory, and that's what I told him. We we talked mostly about the Memphis stuff. Like I said, we mentioned Malenko, and then we went to straight to the stuff he he had done back in the Memphis days when I was a kid, you know. So that's cool too. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that that's pretty significant, man. Like I said, we didn't really give that a number, but we thought it would, we better at least talk about it and also talk about Bobby Shane. I hope we've done that justice, man. You know, um, we talked about things like that. It's just try to throw a story in it here or there and. And it is what it is, you know. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, but anyway, I, so yeah, so that's Bobby Shane, and that was that time in Florida. Uh, I also did want to point out, I believe it was after this accident is when Austin Idol went from like a power lifter build, like a yeah, bulky yeah. power lifter build, and they slimmed down quite a bit to more of a what would you call that bodybuilder build? Body. Yeah, yeah, I think he was close to three hundred pounds. He went, you know, I think he's using his real name, Mike McCord, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and. Um, he was, uh, I think he's about 300 pounds, according to his podcast. I want to say when he talked about it on a podcast, which was a couple of years ago, uh, 
I think it took like two years. I don't know if he went up to North Florida or the Panhandle or up in Alabama. I think he stayed somewhere um, and recovered, you know, and, and um, I know he the bottom of his feet was real, you know, bad off and stuff, but he also went from the real heavy bulky training that he had been doing, I guess, to more of a bodybuilding type routine and, and cleaning up his diet and, and, you know, start doing a bodybuilder or leaner look, you know, and that's where he came up with the Austin Idol thing, you know? So, uh, he took a negative or near death experience and turned it into a positive and, and made a life out of it. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. So that's pretty damn awesome, man. That is. But, uh, um, to come up with that. We'll go ahead and we'll jump into our top 10 for championship wrestling from Florida slash Florida championship wrestling. Uh, let's talk about the people who ran Florida. Yes. Founded was, in 1949 by Cowboy Clarence Preston Latrell, correct? Uh, I believe it was Latrell, but yeah. Latrell. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm looking out my good eye. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my eye, believe it or not, just got cloudy. My left one. I've had the best day by uh, the way for a long time with it. And it's just now getting cloudy. So it usually is clearing up about this time, but I'm usually not on a computer this uh, time yeah. of day. Um, also, uh, Eddie Graham, of course, bought it in uh, 1961 and took completely over in 1971. Go from there, Professor. Oh, okay. Uh, well, and you, you gave me this. Apparently, Eddie Graham ran a boys' ranch. Yes, I think so. Which is something uh, I didn't know anything about. I'm hoping he does, that's not nearly as nefarious as it sounds. Um, <laughs> I think it's just a summer camp, I guess. I don't okay. know, boys' girls' camp type thing. I don't know. I didn't um, know if like he was planting them in the ground or something. I just, <laughs> yeah, you know, I yeah, uh, saddling them up or something. I yeah, don't know. Whatever. I know uh, Joe Malenko told a story about being he went there, you know, as a kid. I don't remember all the details. Though. It was just something funny, though, and it's like uh, they do this thing before lunch, and and I'm just just saying this could have happened. Just saying, you know, take it off of uh, you go to the 605 podcast and listen to uh, the Jody Simon or Joe Malenko interview. It'll be well worth your time. Uh, I'm gonna mention something about the uh, about it here again in a minute uh, uh, about Joe. But anyway, he said something about they do this thing like. Uh, Who's your favorite wrestler? And all the kids would, you know, yell, yell Eddie Graham, you know. And uh, he was standing by Jody. I, again, Jody might be 12 or 14. I don't know what his age was. And and uh, he just stood by him and said uh, something like, you know, Joe, uh, how do you think your father would feel if you, went, if you went home and told him that Eddie Graham was your favorite wrestler? He goes, and of course, not, he's using this real name. They don't know. It's, he's a young young boy. They don't know Malenko is his dad. Okay, right, so take right. that consideration. You got a bunch of teenage boys. We'll say from ten to fourteen years old, um, and they're all yelling Eddie Graham, you know. And then of course, when 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 Eddie goes up to Joe, and I guess you know, put his hand on his shoulder. You can tell the story, paint it however you want. But he said, you know, what do you think your dad would think if he knew Eddie Graham was your favorite wrestler? And he goes, I don't think my dad like that, sir. You know, something like that. Because, you know, he couldn't say it was Eddie Graham was his favorite because his favorite, of course, was his dad, the great Malenko. So it's just one of those things, you know. Of course, it was an inside joke, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure if Dean was there, he got it. And maybe maybe Mike, if he was there, he got it. But other than that, probably no one else's kids got it, you know. But it's just something stupid uh, I'd heard. And, again, uh, and I know the Malenko, uh, they had a feud there, and it started in late 60s. And I think, I think Malenko had done it out in uh, Texas with um, – 
Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. I want to say Wahoo, but I could be wrong. But anyway, in, in Florida, they did a deal where, um, you know, Malenko, uh, the great Malenko, and he had a bust made of himself. Uh, you know, he'd be out there and he'd give those great interviews. I wish there was more footage of Malenko on YouTube, but uh, but there's not. But also, uh, he the story I'd heard was he they built it up, they built it up, and um, – uh, say there was 2,000 people there on a Tuesday. They built it up to the next, the next Tuesday. It had so much heat. There was like 4,000 people. And from there, they just kept selling out every week. But basically, the angle was uh, Malenko would take his teeth out each week, his false teeth, <laughs> and sit them down at the edge of the ring. And I can't remember who he done it with in Texas. Damn it, I know that story too, but I'm drawing a blank. I swear I want to say it's Wahoo, but it probably wasn't. But anyway, with Eddie Graham, so Malenko would come out and give his, his interview, and he'd be spot on about this Mr. Television announcer and this Mr. Tele Mr. TV announcer man, you know, and uh, blah, blah, blah. And so he would set his teeth down, and he'd wrestle. Well, when it come time to wrestle, and he had a bust of himself made, you know, he's great, and he's a professor, and he, you know, all this, you know, likeness, and they busted his, 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 his uh, uh, the bust of himself, you know, but uh, he took his teeth out, and before the match, and of course, Malenko had already planned on getting new teeth the following week, anyway, or whatever the deal was, he had, you know, working into the angle, and he goes over and crushes him, you know, and just yeah. <laughs> draws instant, you know, just getting over, you know, he, they did the teeth angle, and he crushed his uh, false teeth, and like I said, I think Malenko come back with the bust, and they bust the bust, you know, and all those things, but uh, that's just some of those um, stories I'd heard when I was down there at, at Florida. Uh, we know uh, a couple other people helped run it there. Go ahead, Jeremy, take over. I'm talking too much. I have to get a drink of water. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, you, you know more I'm about this. Look, I, I see you putting something up there, but go ahead. Oh, I was going to just kind of talk about uh, yeah. the, the direction that Florida went. Uh, yeah. And going into that, um, I, I'm going to give out this phone number real quick because this is going to come up a time or two as we discuss yeah. Florida. Uh, the Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. I don't ever want to make it sound like we're making light of suicide or glancing over it, so we are no. going to talk about it a little bit throughout this episode because it does turn out to be the Graham family disease, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate. So in the 80s, uh, Eddie Graham committed suicide uh, when Hiro Matsuda and Duke Kiyomuka took over after that. Uh, this would have left Mike Graham, Skip Gossett, Dusty Rhodes, and Buddy Colt as uh, owners at that time as well. Yeah. Um, so that gives you an idea of who was running the company and kind of what, what was happening. And, um, you know, the thing I read about Eddie Graham was like, oh, he'd struggled with alcohol addiction his whole life. And, you know, I can think of so of I, I hope that's not where I'm headed. <laughs> you know, yeah. Jesus Christ. No, time, we know we never make light of that. We always yeah. bring that up when we can. Uh, we bring that up when it's program. And I can't remember exactly which episode it was, uh, but we were about – I don't know, four or five, probably five or six, because I think Dusty was number four episode. And um, we was just coming on a time uh, for National Suicide Prevention Month, I think it was. Uh, and and we gave that out. We gave out, again, the numbers, 1-800-273-8255. Um, just uh, 
some of the listeners, our early one was like, man, these guys really care. They, they, we went into a heartfelt, which I hope we don't today. But we went to a heartfelt talk about that. And, um, and it really got over a bunch of our listeners and it wasn't meant to, 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 we just was putting information out there, let people know where we're coming from, you know, yeah. uh, number nine, Jeremy was prestigious titles. We mentioned uh, that we just kind of, we kind of got out of sequence there. So we'll just kind of, you know, the NWA Florida heavyweight championship, the Southern uh, heavyweight championship, the uh, NWA and world AWA world titles, uh, you know, I mentioned the brass knuckles thing. There's just so many there. Let's just jump to uh, number eight while we're on this, how, so we can get back into our sequence here. Oh yeah, big names that came from Florida. I know you've got a list you'd like to read from, so go ahead and and read the ones you want to because it could probably go on forever. Okay, so I'm just gonna like randomly grab some names. Okay, Abby, Abdullah the Butcher, Johnny Ace, Bill Alfonso. Uh, Bad News Allen, Lars Anderson, Andre the Giant, the Armstrongs, like all of the Armstrongs <laughs> came through here. Norval Austin, Bob Backlund, Jim Backlund, Ox Baker, the Funks, uh, Ron and uh, Robert Fuller. Hey, our friends yep. the Fullers are there. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously all the world champions would have gone through there. Dusty Rhodes, Rocky Johnson, um, Steve Kern, Killer Khan. Uh, oh, real quickly, I yeah. think Kern was a booker. I think Kern was a booker at one time. Oh, okay. I could, I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive he booked there for a short period of time. So correct me if I'm wrong, folks. Um, I don't mind being called out on that because I'm, I'm a student of the game, just like the professor and just like our fans are, you know, but I'm pretty sure he was one of the bookers as well. So okay. go on. There's a list of people. Oh, you, uh, Percy Pringle. Uh, man, I sent you something, Percy Pringle. Oh, Terry Gordy slapped Percy Pringle. Yeah. That was funnier than hell. Uh, sent you that. That's what it was. I was trying to think. Um, uh, man, so many people come through that area, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just throw, you know, uh, Superstar Billy Graham, because, of course, you know, the Grahams were a kayfabe family. Yeah. Um, oh, God, Buzz Tyler, Tarzan Tyler, Rip Oliver, uh, Buddy Fuller, um, Baron Von Raschke, the, uh, David Von Erich wrestled down there. I, matter of fact, I believe the Von Erichs were actually heels in Florida. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, uh, which, there's some footage of that, if I'm not mistaken. There's one, might be two. I think David, I think there's a David match on there, but I know there's at least one match where, uh, I think Kerry and Kevin are in a tag and I think they're heels on the same program. Yeah. Like, check that out though. I'm pretty sure there is. Oh, Butch Reed was huge in Florida. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, uh, uh also, Ron Simmons, yep. you know, Florida State. Hero Matsuda trained him. He started off there. Him and Luger trained together um, at one point, you know. Um, geez, how many people other come through there? Uh, uh, man. Jake, Jake Roberts, Billy Robinson, um, Bob Roop was a fixture in that area. Yeah. But, you know, Bob Roop, I mean, every territory you read about, eventually you come across his name at some yeah. four or five year span yeah. where it's like, and Bob Roop was the fucking stranger yeah. here, you know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, he mentioned that, or uh, Ron mentioned that last week on last week's episode about the snake pit down there and uh, the guys that come in and out of there. We'll talk about that a little bit yeah. more. We'll talk about training in a minute. But yeah, seemed like Bob Roop's always there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, oh. We're just waiting for our, our friend William to show up. <laughs> well, oh, give him a shout out real quick. I was going to say, because I made fun of this a couple weeks back when I saw it, and I think it was just me and you talking. I don't think it was in an episode, but there was a character called the White Ninja that was wrestling in Florida, and I was yeah. like, what a fucking lazy blah, blah, blah. It was Keiji Muto. Yeah, you so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, just as a quick aside, if you get on YouTube and you go search for Great Muda versus Jushin Thunder Liger, 
there is an amazing match where uh, Muda is whipping the shit out of Liger and finally rips his costume and his mask off. And underneath it, Liger has his face painted and he starts using the uh, the Asian mist and all that shit just like uh, Muda. Oh, okay, cool. It is badass because they, they, I mean, and you can hear it when he gets the, the hood off of him. The right. whole audience just gasps. They're like, <gasps> the whole, I'm going like, check that oh, out. Oh, shit, it is good. Oh, it yeah. is definitely worth the watch. Now, it's one of those matches, you're going to watch this, and it's going to feel like you're watching an episode of Ultraman a little bit. So, okay. But just go into it, just watch the match and watch the moments. And yeah. It's, yeah, definitely worth the, it. The um, Ultraman's a good, that's a good uh, good re- recall right there. Yeah. I used to watch that. I liked that. That was a good show. Yeah, you should come on at uh, TBS. I watched it. It'd come on TBS like at 4 o'clock. It would be like a break there, 3.30 or 4 o'clock or the block right there. I get to watch it. Now, that's back when I was in school. High yeah. Was, way right. back in the day, we'll say. Yeah, um, but those were some of the names. So Florida was just full of talent. I mean, I have to imagine uh, people work in Puerto Rico and uh, probably Mexico probably came through Florida quite a bit. Would be Oh, part- yeah part of the reason and maybe international Japan as well. This, this is, I'm guessing I didn't actually look at what the flight patterns were, but I have yeah. to assume if you were working the Caribbean, you came through Florida and that's why these guys would be coming through because Puerto yeah. Rico was a huge market for wrestling. Yep. Um, All right. Well, well number, number seven, I'm sorry. Number seven is the Dean Gordon Soli. Yeah. We, um, before I read any of your notes here, I'm just going to look away from the computer. I'll tell you, my eyes blurry, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I can read fine from where I'm at. I've just, I, You know what I did? I rubbed it. I took my glasses off, and I rubbed it a while ago, and I just got to clean it when we're done. But anyway, I'm going to mend, uh, just putting it out there. I was going to say, on our, we did a top ten announcers, and Jeremy and I spoke about this off the air. I think it was last week. Uh, our top ten announcers, of course, we put – Gordon Soley at number two, who easily could have been at number one, mm-hmm. uh, but we had Lance Russell at number one, and uh, our audience could have went either way. We we didn't get feedback or flack, rather. We got feedback. We didn't get a lot of flack about, what well, you can't put, you know, Lance over Gordon, whatever. The bottom line was this. That was a decision we made then. We could go back and do a poll this time, and, I, and we may have said this one here. I don't know, Jeremy, honestly. Uh, if we did a poll this time and said, you know, who was the best announcer, uh, maybe our, our listeners we have now would vote, you know, because it it was a, it was a, it was such a close vote that we just decided, you know, hey, let's go off Lance on this one because we was getting a lot of mid south stuff, uh, Memphis, uh, you know stuff we was talking about that particular time now since we're talked about here in the last few weeks georgia now florida and and nwa um i think a lot of our listeners might vote the other way that'd be so close we might have to say okay number one is gordon Soley, you know but uh if you go to the youtube channel that the late tex johnson put together for us if you go to tinyurl.com slash bbbb video you can see all the videos. There's like 8,000 subscribers there. It's still real active. I try to send out footage from there uh, at least a couple of days a week of something that might be coming up uh, on a program. But uh, Gordon Soley, there's a great little piece that we've done on him in the past, and I wish you'd go and watch that um, and also see what kind of work that Tex put together there. And while you're there, you might as well check out number one, Lance. And, and I think we had uh, uh, J.R. Ross on there. Some of the, just the great announcers, Bob Cottle and, and uh, just some great people. So anyway, go ahead. Back to the notes there, Jeremy. Gordon Soley's number seven reason why you should watch Championship Wrestling in Florida, by God. <laughs> the yeah. Dean of Wrestling, yes. Well, so Gordon was originally from, uh, was it Minneapolis, I believe, or some part of Minnesota anyhow, and he settled in Florida. Look, he, he's even part of that Minneapolis crew. 
There you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, he started as a ring announcer, making five bucks a night and uh, emceeing the weekly shows in the Tampa Bay Arena. Uh, started as a commentator in 1960. He would hold that role for the next 25 years. Uh, and if you hear Gordon Sully's voice, you will never forget it. It will be instantly recognizable. Absolutely. And he had a vocabulary of his own. When he was calling matches, he did it in a, in a way, in a style that was just his. And, you know, as, as way of reference, souple. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. And uh, you put that in our little commercial that you wrote that strip for. Yeah. That's pretty cool. We still speak Gordon Sully around here at Souple. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there is a book that he wrote that was published posthumously uh, that yeah. you can get by going to tinyurl.com slash bbsully, S-O-L-I-E. It's called Something Left Behind. I have not read it yet, but it is now on my list. Also, Bobby... I have gotten two messages, one just a tweet on Twitter and another one just like a personal DM asking mm-hmm. for us to have a published list of our of our book recommendations. So I'm going to have to oh, figure okay. out. Yeah, I'm going to have to figure out how we can do that. And we're going to need to go back and get a list of I don't know if in order or just as we go, but we're going to need to get a list yeah. of our books together. So I'll look at my my notes too. Uh, we've got this uh, Google Docs now that may help because yeah. I know we've been doing it at least since we've come back from our uh, hiatus. There, we've been recommending books each week. So, uh, with that said, again, it was something left behind. I yes. was not familiar with this until I went to the tinyurl dot com slash bb solely and uh, made sure that the link worked and it did. So that's another book I'm going to check out as well. So um, obviously I have not been reading for the last two and a half, three weeks. I was fortunate enough that I got my eye clear enough to finish Ron's book just the night before we interviewed him because I'd already had over three-fourths of it done. I just had to think the last two chapters. Um, another, uh, I gave it five stars. Just go ahead and throw it up. His book was Brutus. Um, just get that at uh, – tnstud.com uh, while we're just talking about uh, Ron's book, Brutus, about the uh, man eating lion. Just give him a plug because, again, I appreciate him being on the show yeah. last week. Uh, but that's number seven, Gordon Soley, man. Uh, again, one of these things, this is just the list we put together. Uh, we With this Google Docs, we just it, it's really helped us to cut down a lot of like, let's not put this at number one. Let's put this at number three. It's just like, it's just like, here's the way we're putting them down this week, guys. Uh, one of these things, again, Gordon Sully could have been number two or three on this list, but we got him at number seven. Let's move on to number six, the NWA and AWA legends and active wrestlers and titles that were on the same shows. Uh, I made mention of the uh, Battle of the Belts mm-hmm. that was t- that took place in Tampa. I think that was 85. I watched that. You turned me on to that. There also is a battle uh, there's an AWA and NWA title matches on there um there's a battle of the belts 2 on there um I think that was from Miami I could be wrong it might might have been from Tampa um just to let you know there's all kinds of uh different uh big shows they did have in Tampa there was a uh, four big major NWA title changes the first was uh February 11th in Tampa Florida on in 1969 and that's when Dory Funk Jr. beat Gene Kaniski to win the NWA title of course he used the uh the spinning toehold and won in 27 minutes uh, Miami Beach Florida December 10th 1975 uh, a day I always remember, even though I probably didn't know about it 
as far as really, really knowing about it for like another two years. Now, I saw it in magazines only, but it wasn't until I started getting some Memphis footage. But uh, it's at the convention center. My man, Terry Funk, beat Jack Briscoe to capture the NWA World Heavyweight title. Uh, it says uh, there was 5,000 fans there. Dory Jr. was originally uh, booked uh, to meet uh, Briscoe, but uh, he had a uh, accident. I think he hurt his shoulder in a tractor or a truck accident. I'm not sure. So uh, Terry Funk uh, becomes a champion in 1975. Again, it's in Florida. Tampa, Florida, August the 21st, 1979. This one here, man, at Fort Homer Hesterly Armory, which I'll be talking about in just a minute. But Jeremy's main man, Dusty Rhodes, beat Harley Race to capture the NWA, uh, NWA title, and Eddie Graham was promoter of that show. And Orlando, 19, uh, see, August 26, 1979, Harley, Ray, Harley Race beats Dusty Road to regain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship title. Uh, that was Race's third NWA win. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to leave it at that because that probably, I'm just wondering if that show, it says Sports Stadium in Orlando, um, the um, there was also an Eddie Graham Sports Complex outside of Orlando, and I went there several times on Sunday evenings back when I was uh, hadn't moved quite down to Tampa yet. I was living right outside Orlando and was commuting down to Tampa and training on the weekend some. Uh, but, uh, in the process, if the, if I got back on a Sunday evening, like if I hadn't had enough wrestling from a Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday morning training, I would go, uh, to Eddie Graham's sports complex. Um, I was telling Jeremy off the air, um, by the time I was there, it was just a big old building on the side of the road. It looked almost like a, um, a drive-in theater, if you will, and I hear drive-ins are making a comeback, but it was just a big graveled pitted lot with a big, huge building in it that, um, you know, you could probably have old school roller roller derby in there, like a roller rink thing, but they had wrestling in there. And the time I was there, it was every Sunday night. And I had an old picture somewhere of me standing out there. Uh, one of the people coming back for that show, it said Kendall is back. And it was Kendall Winner was making his, his comeback there. Uh, but I got to see some pretty neat matches up there. Um, uh, Brett Sawyer was up there, the Nasty Boys, Ron Slinker, uh, Steve Kearns, uh, Kevin Sullivan, some of those guys uh, that would come up on a Sunday evening of work. That I thought that was pretty cool. So it uh, went from like the big shows, like I said, we mentioned earlier, to some of the smaller shows uh, there. In the, in, that was like I said, that was at this Eddie Graham Sports Complex. So you like to say you hear that name, nothing but that name mostly in Florida. Um, of course, I got the train there, man, and um, you talk about all those – guys and legends and uh, future legends that, that wrestled through Florida. You know, I was at Malenko's and that name, uh, you know, is well known through the Tampa area because he, um, he, he sold out, you know, like at uh, Fort Homer uh, Hesterly Armory every Tuesday night. Uh, and I want to read something here again. You can go back and check this out uh, on the 605. I don't know exactly which podcast it is. I will put it over. Just go back and, and, and look up the, um, the one with Joe Simon, Joe Malenko on there, and he, he's got a really good interview him and Brian do. And um, one of the things at the time, the, the Fort um, Homer Hesterly Armory is now a Jew, Jewish community center, and Jody was helping raise money for that because there's going to have a hall of fame, a wall of fame inside of there, if you will, a little hall of fame up on a, on a couple of uh, walls. And I thought this was really cool. I'm going to read just a little bit from it. Um, again, this, this was the um, – 
It's now a Jewish community center there in the Tampa area. It says giants once did battle here. This is on the Hall of Fame here. Uh, larger than life in size and personality, good guys like Eddie Graham and Dusty Rose battled uh, the evildoers such as Boris Malenko and Dory Funk inside the inside of a wrestling ring. Every Tuesday night for over four decades, this building, then known as Fort Homer Hesterly Armory transformed into the arena for championship wrestling from Florida. And in those years before the Bucks, Rays, Rowdies, and Lightning brought Tampa crowds to their feet, professional wrestling was a biggest draw in the city. Um, no air conditioning. Oh, my God, that Tampa heat will get you, too, let me tell you. Uh, even in the heart of, of, of Tampa's summers, the heat was uh, excruciating in the building. Uh, the thick, lingering smoke from cigarettes and cigars were puffing away indoors with a loud, when you could smoke back then, made it even more difficult to breathe. But no matter, nothing could keep the Giants uh, from going to battle and fans away. They booed, they cheered, and they stood on their feet as the emotions uh, rose and fell on every punch, kick, and slam. On Tuesday nights, this was a Madison Square Garden of the South. This was the home, the Titans of Tampa, and this will always be the house that championship wrestling from Florida built. I thought that was pretty damn cool, man. I had to get that on this podcast. Um, that's just pretty awesome to know. And I looked up uh, the the Armory, like I said, wrestling was there for over 40 years. JFK spoke there. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke there. Wow. Uh, it was just Elvis performed there. I think he was there in like 1955 or something. I mean, all these great people. But every Tuesday night, man, the Titans, you know, that's that's pretty damn cool, man. Uh, the, the, these guys, you know, sold that building out. And also, Jeremy, when I was reading that, uh, and you, I don't know if there's any of the old footage, uh, what comes to mind, something we was talking about earlier, uh, uh, Gene LaBelle being the announcer in Raging Bull, some of that black and white footage. Where people are smoking cigars and cigarettes in those buildings, and they just got that one ring light above the ring. Oh yeah! And you're out there in that heat. You're in a ring. You got the heat that's already coming from the atmosphere. You got the heat coming from the indoor atmosphere of your your fans being packed on top of you. And on top of that, you got to deal with all that smoke cloud of the cigars and cigarettes. When you could do that, I'm just thinking, oh man, that's that is hardcore at old school. And that's a great image to have of professional wrestling. This two big guys in the ring or, or a tag team matching or an announcer announcing, you know, these guys are getting ready to go at it. Uh, just kind of creating that um, image for you, if you will. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead, man. I, I just kind of got carried away on that. Oh, no, no, no. It's look, I mean, you, you trained in Florida. This is, I mean, this is, this is the reason you're the host of the show. Is so you can get into these stories and add a little granular textureness to what yeah. we're talking about instead of just me jerking off on the couch or whatever, talking about That's shit. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I'll gonna, tell you real quickly, go ahead. The talk about the conditioning, giving you an image of the, uh, being in that ring, you know, like that when I was in Tampa, uh, man, it, I was there in August. Uh, Oof. I was there. I got there in May, but I got when I got to August, my training really, really picked up, and there was this hot asphalt outside the gym, uh, you know, parking lot area, and that's where Malenko had me do my first set of ten and ones, and that's where you do ten deep knee bends, one push up, nine deep knee bends, or Hindu squats, if you will, two push ups, eight Hindu squats, three push ups, and you build a ladder basically to where you do. 
10 push-ups and one Hindu squat. And then you work your way back the other way, Bobby, because you got to get in ring shape, you know? So, uh, man, that hot asphalt in Tampa, um, that's just one of the things I talk about in my books. Uh, So I was going to lead, just kind of give myself a segue there. Uh, If you want to help the show out, guys, the professor here has put a link up to my books that are available on Amazon, and the show gets a little, get a kickback out of that. Um, I'd be honored if you bought my book. If you've read it, I'd be honored if you left me a review, as Jeremy and I both would be if you left a review wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Leave us a four- or five-star review and let us know what you think of the program. Now, my books, the first one's called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boostable Travel. I was fortunate enough to travel all over the world due to my wrestling talents, and that was just a lot of hard work, talent, and blessed, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of it started with uh, Malenko helped me get on the right path of, of, to, to get my career started. But that book is available at tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. And it just talks about me going to England and Australia and Japan. I got to go to Japan like five times. Uh, South Africa. Man, you talk about some heat. Oh, my God, that heat. Just draw your breath. I stepped off that plane after about 33 hours. I had a little layover in London. But I left Tampa to Miami, Miami to London, London to Johannesburg. I got off that plane to Johannesburg, and I was like, <gasps> Yeah, I couldn't yeah. breathe. But anyway, I had to go out there and work five hours later. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough, man. But um, that's what I was in a business for, you know. But uh, my second book is called uh, I Kicked Out on Two, The Education of a Wrestler. And you can get that at tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. Um, again, the show gets a little bit of kickback if you use that link uh, to go. When I say a little bit, it is just a little bit, but uh, it does help our program. I like to say I get a smile on my face and a little bit of money goes into the account that uh, we can help and maybe do some better advertising or, or uh, you know, better investment in, in whatever else to make our program better. But we appreciate you listening and we appreciate you help sponsoring the shows. And I appreciate the professor letting my books be part of the sponsor for this show. Go, Jeremy, because I'm talked out. I need another drink. Got to wipe oh, my eye again. <laughs> okay. I, I, I figured we'd just rip your cord and you were going to keep running for the uh, the rest of the time. But I know, man. Yeah. Well, you know what we're going to do then? We're going to move on to Change number. Gears. Yeah, we're going to move on right. to number five. The number five reason to check out championship wrestling from Florida, the Midnight Rider. Yes. Um, okay, now I, I do want to throw a thank you to the Kayfabe Memories on this because as I was doing some research on this, they had the most thorough section on championship wrestling for Florida that I could find. So kayfabe memories. Yeah. Kayfabe memories.com slash regions slash CWF slash CWF three dot HTM is specifically a page I use quite heavily, but all in all, it's a great site. If you want to check out some wrestling history where the research is done already, that is a hell of a site to go to. So thank you to kayfabe memories. I, I appreciate you guys existing out there. Um, they, let me interrupt you, Jeremy. They yeah. have uh, several different – that's just not one person doing that, too. There are several contributing authors and, and writers on that page if you go to that, uh, com slash regions slash CWF. I'm telling you, there were so many talented writers. The way they write this, I took some of the Gordon Soley information off of there. Uh, some we're going to speak to uh, speak about next, I, I took some off of there. So, yeah, just, just give their – just we're giving them a plug, man. And check it out. Um, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So anyhow, um, Dusty Rhodes had a feud going with uh, Kevin Sullivan, which that had to be something to see, you know. Mm. Uh, it ends up in a lights-out cage match between Dusty and Kevin, and Dusty takes a loss, which was a loser-leave-town-for-60-days stipulation. 
And then some other fella shows up uh, in a mask, calling himself the Midnight Rider. For some mm. reason, Kevin Sullivan and J.J. Dillon are sure the Midnight Rider's Dusty Rhodes. I, I don't see it. I, I, <laughs> you know. Um, but strangely enough, years later in uh, Jim Crockett promotions, Dusty Rhodes would be driven out of the territory. And his good friend, the Midnight Rider, was there again to fill yes. in for him. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, it got way more over in Florida than it did in Jim Crockett, but it was still kind of a cool, I look, I love these bits where a guy comes back with a mask and Charlie Brown from out of towns is way, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. just like, oh yeah, you know, that's obviously not who you think it is. You know, that's, yeah. you know, that's oh, not, man, there's a bunch of them are Stagger Lee and then yeah. the mentioned uh, the bullet showing up, you know, uh, several places where Bob Armstrong was wrestling at. And, uh, unlike with the uh, bullet, you know, you kind of, you, kind of they gave it away you know you know it was a, the bullet was bob armstrong the thing of dusty though they tried to keep that really on the kayfabe yeah that, that, the midnight rider was not dusty Rhodes, you know and now, like you said in your notes here man you uh you disagree that um you know it was dusty in a, in a, in a disguise i like that man i like yeah. that kayfabe you know that's cool I, that's yeah cool, i but. just i just love those bits where you know like because it, it especially in a in a simpler time where there was still yeah. actual kayfabe I yeah. can see people like getting so into it. They're, they're, no, that's not him. He, no, he, that's right, that's, man. Yeah, that is not him. Cause see, he's been thrown out of the area, so it can't be him. Yeah. And look, what, they just mailed this guy's check to his house. They don't know his real name. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, Virgil Reynolds. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of the first, I was going to say something else. Like, I remember one of the first time I was watching, uh, not one of the first times, but when I caught this, uh, NWA was going off and they said like executive producer and it had, it, it did the thing at the end of the show, uh, when the old NWA syndicated had come through and I'm talking probably three years before I got into business or so. And it'd say Virgil Reynolds Jr. And finally someone, you know, it's much smarter than myself into the rest of the business, an older man or someone at the gym said, you know, that's Dusty Rhodes, right? Like, no, I'd wait for it to go off to see if he is executive director every week. Uh, what I was going to say though, uh, yeah, they smelled his check to his house. Um, that's one of those things, if you recall, uh, Tex put together for us a little package there that had the Midnight Rider on it. Remember that? Yes, it's on yes. the YouTube channel. Um, it's got the masked Midnight Rider riding up on that horse, and uh, there's some pretty good footage. Um, and I'm drawing a blank. I said Almond Brothers, but it was actually Willie Nelson, I think. Is that correct? Well, that's, yeah, the um, version that Dusty yeah. used was the Willie Nelson, which is, yeah. they're both pretty good, but I think I kind of yeah. prefer the Willie Nelson one. Yeah, so that's what it was. I, while we were talking, and, and, and again, Tex done this on the, on the, on a video of it. Uh, I, I said Almond Brothers, whatever, and, and, and Tex put it on the bottom, you know, it's actually, uh, 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 Willie, but he's put together a really cool package where, uh, Jeremy and myself, if you'd like to hear more about the Midnight Rider, go to that tinyrl.com BBBB video on YouTube and, and check that out, man. It's pretty cool how you put that together yeah. with that music and stuff. And, um, just one of those things, all the, I don't know, hell, just missing Dusty and missing Tex and, and just talking, man, you know. Uh, luckily, Willie's still with us. <laughs> yep. But, um, hey, Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, anchor.com, would you? Sure thing. And that is my totally not rehearsed or scripted ahead of time uh, bit about Anchor.com. Fuck, you got a great voice, man. Well, you ought to do something with that like a podcast. I should. I should. You know, somebody, somebody <laughs> said that the other day. I was on the phone with, like, an inside salesman someplace, and he was a guy. You could tell just by the tone and everything. He's probably a black guy from, like, the South, just kind of going off his accent and, like, the depth of his voice and the timbre. 
And Are you I, saying us Southerners have an accent? A little bit, a little bit. Okay. But I said to the guy, I was like, God damn, you have a great speech. Because I get jealous over certain voices that I hear sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I was like, God damn, you got a great voice. He's like, you know, you got a pretty good one too. He's like, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should start a podcast. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I've done that already. Thanks. <laughs> oh man. Appreciate that advice. Yeah. Well, let's stick with the program here. Number four, man. I'm going to let you talk about this one again. Uh, tell us again. Number four. Uh, well, number four. It. Yeah. And I just, I kind of went with this one just cause it held with the theme, but, uh, right, right, right. Dusty, Dusty breaks out and go solo as a baby face. Um, yes. I don't know if everybody realizes this. I, I have to think they do at this point. Uh, there was a time when Dusty was basically a heel tag team wrestler. Yep. And, and there was one night uh, where he was tagging with a fellow named Pac Song, who was one of those tall, like gigantic, almost Asian-looking fellas. I think he was Korean. I could be wrong on that, but yeah. Oh, he was absolutely Korean because. Okay, was it Korean? Thank you. I, yeah. I thought he was for some reason. Yeah, and he, and this was just what, f- fifteen years, eighteen years after the end of the Korean War, so it'd be real easy to take a Korean guy and make him a heel. Oh but, yeah. But Pac Song and Dusty are in a tag match against Mike and Eddie Graham. Uh, Gary Hart and Pac Song turn on Dusty at the end of the match and whip the shit out of him. This yep. is where Dusty developed, and I was mentioning this at the beginning. This is where Dusty developed his blue collar son of a plumber persona yeah. that he would stay with the rest of his career. So until 2010 ish or whenever it was, he passed yeah. away. I mean, this was the guy he was going to be, you know, the yeah. son of a plumber from Austin, Texas. And the footage of that is available on YouTube. I went back and watched that. Of course, as you mentioned, the great Gordon Soley is doing the commentary on it. And uh, Dusty does a talk over, if I'm not mistaken, with him. And he's putting over Eddie Graham because Eddie Graham kind of comes back in and tries to help Dusty a little bit. It's a whole little few mix-up thing there, but it's really good. And you just talk about how how someone can turn and you watch it and you 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 watch that character evolve and then boom next thing you know you know you got the american dream dusty roads man it's just it's it's a pretty good angle to watch it's it's, it's like um well here's another one uh throwing it out there jeremy uh in the omni when when they they break uh dusty's uh oh, leg, break his ankle so, yeah yeah so it's one of those things where it's only in you know uh and uh, Dusty in a cage where he finally built it up like it. the same thing of this, where Dusty breaks out on his own here and goes solo as a, as a baby face in Florida, uh, championship wrestling Florida. It's one of those things worth going back and watching again. And, and like I said, there is the footage is out there on YouTube uh, if you go search it. Um, and it's worth doing so. Oh, absolutely. Uh, also, this is where Dusty becomes the second most recognizable athlete in the world. I love that he always used that line. I yeah. just I always thought that was great. You know, and uh, talking about the Ole Anderson thing, I don't even remember who put the package together, if it was official, if it was a fan one, but I found a video one time where it shows it shows the beat down, right? And then it comes mm-hmm. back to Ole like the next week on TV. Mm-hmm. And he's going down this list, and they cut to a video that's a year and a half old of Dusty Rhodes saying, this will never be over Ole Anderson. This will never be done. <laughs> and Ole references, this is how long they used to take to build stories back in the day, 18 yeah. months. And 18 there was months. there was something that came back up from that. Um, but, you know, they, that was that was just 
awesome the way they laid that whole thing out. You know, oh yeah, where he where he yeah. told him where where Oli tells him, you know, I, I tricked him enough to to I just had to get him to believe me to get into that cage. Yeah, you know that whole thing. And like you, and I think we've done an entire episode, if I'm not mistaken, about building up those angles over, like you said, 18 months. Nowadays, it's you know, click click click, and, and next, and there's no reason for this. You jump when there's a cage match for no reason or whatever it is. There was actually rhyme and reason. And you know, another thing about the NWA, and especially like uh, uh, that territory. They had a book of rules that people followed. I loved that they followed rules. The tag teams follow rules, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And there was a reason, like Dusty turning here, they're, they're, there was rules. They're following rules, and them rules get broken, you know, and you're believing in it, you know. Um, I got a question for you. Just yeah. curious. Uh, second most recognizable athlete in the world. I can only imagine he's speaking about Muhammad Ali being number one at that time. That is the only one I can okay. think of. Yeah. Myself as well. I would like to think also at a time now I don't I don't know this because I think Muhammad Ali would still be one of the most recognized. I heard um, I heard this just a few years ago. I, I know Ali was up there as one of the most recognizable uh, faces in the world. I think if I'm I don't want to misquote myself here, but I think Michael Jordan at one point also his face got out there that he was the most recognizable. I don't I... know that he passed Ali or whatever. I'm just going to say, though, that if you – if I won't say that Jordan was more popular than Ali. Not saying that at all, folks. I'm just saying on magazine covers worldwide or whatever, you know, their face getting recognized. I would like to think if you took Ali out of the equation, which I never want to do, I would say Dusty at some point, you know, was still up there with Jordan. You know, yeah. to kind of put up another icon. And then I'll take another level. Let's get away from athletes. Even though he said, uh, you know, uh, most recognizable athlete, there's another face out there, Elvis, you know. And at yeah. one point, this saying in the world, Dusty. So all during that time, was that, 40 years, he could have went with, you know, uh, a rock icon, uh, uh, the, the greatest boxer ever lived, you know, greatest basketball player lived. And there's the poor son of a, of a plumber in Austin, Texas, you know, and man, and getting that over and you believe it. You're like, holy shit, that's the American dream, man. Oh yeah. He is, you know, he's over that good. Uh, I'll just throw them other names out there. I'm a, again, I'm, I'm sure that he was alluding to Ali on this here when he says that, you know, I would have um, to, I would have yeah. to think so. Cause the only person now this, this is going to sound really weird. The only person who could predate Ali and come up on that list higher would be gorgeous. George. Yeah, that was. I was trying to think. I think Ali took some of his uh, oh, gimmick ab, from yeah. George, and that was uh, in an interview somewhere. And, and he talks about how he took some of the gorgeous George stuff. And then I think there's some of the stuff where uh, Dusty talks about taking stuff from Ali and Ali taking stuff from Dusty. But it all kind of goes back to Ali taking stuff from gorgeous George. So I'm thinking though, this uh, the way he said it. I'm thinking he's saying Ali. I'm just saying there was a. You're talking about a lifetime. This guy you know, would have been over with, with basketball players and boxers and mm-hmm. wrestlers and musical icons. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, just putting it out there, but, but you got to believe it out. So Dusty Rhodes, uh, number four coming in as a baby face when he breaks solo, man, that's, that's a damn good one right there. That, that is great. Also, anytime Gary Hart is in as a manager, fucking Gary Hart comes off like the devil. He yeah. really does. And speaking of the devil, Yes. Number three. But, oh, well, but, hold on. Let me, let me intro it. Let me intro it. Then you can, then you can make your argument. Okay. I was just going to say this. I have no argument. I was going to say, I was going to stop you before you do this. I cut your segue off. 
we might need to do something on Gary Hart, man. Oh. He's come up quite a bit, especially this episode, but I know he's one of your favorite. Plus, so we talk about uh, WCCW a lot on yeah. this program. We might want to throw out the back burner there that we do a special on Gary Hart one day. I think Just, that is I, a I didn't mean to, I, I fucked your segue up. I know that. I, I, I apologize. No, that's okay. That's okay. Because you know what? That idea, that idea is good enough that <laughs> that it makes up for the fucked up segue. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Hey, did you know the guy that bought the Segway company fell to his death riding a Segway? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a totally legit story. You can go Google it sometime. Uh, speaking of bad Segways. Number yeah. three goes to <laughs> Kevin Sullivan going dark. Okay, man. Wow. Okay, um, so Kevin Sullivan's <laughs> original gimmick was just like a, the Boston brawler. He was just like yep. a, a little tough dude from Boston. I didn't know he was from Boston. It's not like he has an accent or anything. <laughs> yeah, he's an outstanding swimmer, by the way. I knew that. I he think, was a swimmer. I think, you know, you know what? He was actually built like a heavy swimmer. Honestly, yeah. if you look at how he was built when he was young, because yeah. he was, dude was shredded up for, you know, for his time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so... I don't know all the steps involved, but Kevin Sullivan's Prince of Darkness gimmick starts in Florida. Yes. Um, and you you used the word devil, and you thought I was going to say something else. I did. There. I did. I know, I, but I, my mind was on on the uh, the Gary Hart thing, like I said, and I fucked it up. But uh, yeah, so Kevin Sullivan uh, apparently never used the word Satan or the devil. Um, I think after did so in a magazine, maybe used the word Satan or Satism. Or the word devil, but Sullivan just, you know, was the uh, the prince of darkness, you know. Yep. Um, uh, him and maniac Mark Lewin and uh, the purple haze would come over him, you know, uh, and they spoke um, uh, what they, just just the way he did his whole carry carry gimmick uh, with his robe, um, the face paint, uh, the the nails, the um, I think they went around. Uh, to the to the different gyms and stayed in character uh, wherever they went at you know uh, when they did those interviews and oh, promos I guess wild. they more promos off the beach <clears throat> uh, there's one where Kevin Sullivan's coming emerging from the ocean as there is with one uh, with uh, Mark Lewin emerging from the ocean it's just kind of eerie and scary man you know um, that that put that fear into you oh like yeah fear well, of darkness and you you know you can see that there's like a certain element of um, probably more orientalized like the white man's version of Southeast Asian or Tibetan mysticism is really what they were shooting for. But, you know, the Prince of Darkness is the devil. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just, there's no way around that. That's one of the, one of the terms it's used. Also, Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, shit. (laughs) I, I get them confused sometimes, Bob. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But also in the, let's face it, in the American South, in the Bible belt of this country, if it's not protestant christianity it's satanism and i'm talking that i mean that's catholicism islam judaism everything if it's not my specific brand of southern baptisty or whatever protestant branch of the church you're talking about if it's not that you worship the devil so no matter what he did in this territory with that character he was going to get painted with the devil worshiper brush yeah that's what it was and you know and and as many people know this program we have such deep respect for Kevin Sullivan and the mind and uh, for his, for this business, uh, the wrestling business, man. He's just, uh, uh, that's what, you know, he's where he's books me different places that I don't have exact year. I, I, we want to, we kind of put him on that list. He probably books some in Florida or at least booked a lot of his own stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
with uh, the different people he worked with, uh, Blackjack Mulligan, Mulligan, and also uh, Dusty, as we just talked about, too. Uh, but, yeah, Sullivan just got that over. But I think it's more like you said, that that mysticism, you know, uh, Tibetan monk-type thing and mumbling and and uh, maybe some acid or something, you know, yeah. that you, you know, open your mind and expand your mind kind of thing. But it was, like you said, you created that, like you said, that you're already the Prince of Darkness, all kidding aside with that gimmick. Everywhere he went, that's the, the there's only be two things associated, either Satanism or the devil. That's that's the thing. But it it, it, it just is what that's what the thing is. It puts that fear in your head. Not mm-hmm. you know, it you didn't have to say it. he just done his deal. Uh some of the other people associated with him, I see you got here, you got Bob Roop, uh Luna Vashon, uh Mike Davis, and of course Falling Angel. And man, what a beautiful lady that lady yeah. was. Man, some of the earliest pictures I've seen of her, uh, I think Bill Ott actually uh, took some pictures of a young um, Nancy, and um, she was a wrestling fan, and I think that's how uh, she got into the wrestling is uh, she does some modeling. I can't remember the other girl's name, but uh, I remember I, I met um, Bill Ottman, I think. Bill Ottman, I met him at uh, Photographer from down in Florida. I met him at the Eddie Graham Sports Complex. Um, I think he took some of the earlier pictures, and I think that's where Sullivan and her, I don't know if she met that away or what the whole deal was uh, from those photos. But, man, when he put that crew together, you know, especially with that purple haze out there and had his hand turned up and looking at the sky and mumbling, and, and Lewin had that great build, you know, just, uh, again, just when you drop that robe and all he's got on is the, 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 the no shoes and just the black trunks and you're standing there for his body, it just emerged from the ocean. And it's just scary stuff when you put it all together, man. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, uh, Sullivan was good at getting this character over. I mean, he, yeah. look, he spent the rest of his career working on this character. I mean, that's dedication, you know? Yeah. Um, I, what he, I guess at one point he became the, the games master, the taskmaster, or the coach yeah. or something, but yeah, um, yeah, but I mean, for the most part, he stayed with this, this character in one version of another with varying yeah. degrees of success throughout the remainder of his career. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I do want to take a quick aside here because this reminds me of a story that I got out of one of Rock Rim's books mm-hmm. that here in the San Francisco territory, there used to be a guy that wrestled under the name Mephisto. Yes. And one day he's leaving a show where he just, I, I can't remember all the details, like motherfucked somebody or did something dirty. And as he's leaving, there's an angry crowd waiting outside for him. <laughs> and a car pulls up, opens the door and says, hey, you know, if you want to ride, my boss wants to meet you. Why don't you jump in? So the guy gets in the car. I don't remember if he was alone or had somebody with him, but he's saying he was starting to feel a little creeped out, right? Okay. And they're driving and they go over, and I think, I think it was Lombard Street. It was one of the areas with brownstones in San Francisco. And it's, they pull up to a brownstone that is black and purple. And so now he's just like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> they go inside and one of the guys says to him, Oh, uh, you know, Mr. Mephisto, I'd like you to meet my, my employer, Anton LeVay. Ah, I knew that's where you was going to go with that. And so For Anton, some reason, I just got scared. I got chills bumps, man. Yeah, so Anton LaVey figured that Mephisto was really a devil worshiper. Or, you know, that's not yeah. even the right term. A Satanist. Anton LaVey yeah, was not a devil go. worshiper. He was a Satanist. Um, and so he was like, in, LaVey was also a carnival guy. That was his background. So he was a self-promoter. And look, he was a natural fit for pro wrestling. So he was like, hey, <laughs> here's this idea. And, the, and Mephisto's like, um, 
no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know that 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 right there cracked me up. I can only imagine like if Kevin Sullivan had been in the San Francisco territory in the late '60s, what what that yeah. could have, you know in that character what that could have been like, you know. Oh man, well you know that's, that's pretty he would he would have gone along with it too. You know he would have. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, because uh, I'm listening to the Thudcast right now, there's a character, the great Mephisto, uh, wrestled uh, down here in uh, the Knoxville in the southeastern, southeastern wrestling in the Knoxville area. Um, if it's the same guy or not that done that, because this guy wrestled as a great Mephisto. Oh. Um, and, and Ron brought him in, and he just had instant heat. I don't think it's the same person, though, to be honest with you, because um, I'm drawing a blank on a guy's real name uh, that Ron mentions on the show. But anyway, uh, so you got the devil out here in, in the south like you said so he's out there in san francisco getting over um as a satanist <laughs> but this guy just <laughs> caught himself the devil himself when he was with a great mephisto if i'm not mistaken he threw fire and just caught himself you know the devil himself yeah kind of thing uh which again that's not what what kevin that was the illusion of it but uh, somewhere i would imagine um and i don't know if you've ever been asked this in an interview uh has he been approached by someone from from the church or Satanism or or what? I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has a loyal following somewhere of people that you know go back as far as more talk when he had uh, Fallen Angel with him and and uh, uh, Luna Vachon and 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 Roop and and, and um, you know just I'm sure people really you know hell Florida anything could happen in Florida. Oh yeah. I mean you know you got Florida man. I mean. Jeez, I saw a lady the other day, and uh, she was driving one of those uh, things through Walmart. No, she was in a Target. It actually wasn't a Walmart. It was a Target in Florida, and she's driving. She's, she's in her 30s. She's driving around in one of them damn things, drink uh, one of them router things you drive. I can't think of the she's, – she's drinking an open bottle of wine, eating chocolates, and uh, some press <laughs> or something. I mean, anything can fucking happen in Florida, man. Oh. So I'm sure Sullivan had more than enough groupies when he's going around, even though he's not mentioning the devil or Satanism. I guarantee it. He had a group of loyal fucking followers that believed that he was the Prince of Darkness. Oh, I, I <laughs> so, am sure of it. And he was probably approached, you know. So, but that is a good story, man. Um, speaking of which, we need this little story coming up right now. Me and you just both cracked up. Yeah. I saw this several years ago, and uh, here's our segue right here, man. The Great Malenko versus the Great Mattress. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh my goodness, man. It's it's not uh, just a great mattress, Bob. It's it, it, Bobby. It's it's a bad cock mattress. It's a bad cock mattress. Yes, you're right, man. And the thing about it, if you don't know what we're talking about, folks, go to YouTube. It's on here. Uh, the Great Malenko versus the Great Mattress, and uh, Gordon Soley is actually taking the commentary and doing a serious damn job with it while Malenko wrestles this this mattress, man. This bad cock mattress from Bad Cock <laughs> Furniture, uh, I guess in Tampa, Florida. But it starts off, Malenko's kind of doing like a curly thing, just kind of rubbing his face like the Three Stooges kind of thing. But then, and the, the set of mattress weighs 37 pounds, and Malenko airplane spins it. Then he stomps it. <laughs> then he forms it. Then he's biting it. Then he pulls it up like it's got a face or something and pokes it in the eye. You know, Gordon's like, the mattress never had a chance to get out in the corner. <laughs> and Malenko's poking it. Well, finally he gets behind it in some kind of a camel clutch, man. And he's rearing back on his mattress. Oh, my gosh. I imagine the springs were about ready to pop, man. But Malenko, I know he was in great conditioning. Uh, you know, all the conditioning he'd done. He had this great body, great wind, great cardio. <laughs> 
man, he stands up from that camel clutch and he's exhausted himself, man. I don't know. You asked me, was it a sleeper hold? I don't know what it was, <laughs> but he stands up and takes a bump on a mattress because he's exhausted. And of course, once you get on this mattress, it's so fucking comfortable right there in the ring. Malenko is on his back. One, two, three, and a mattress goes over. And I guarantee it, Malenko still kept his heat. I guarantee it, Gordon Stoley still kept his heat. His voice was over. You know, so no one come up to him like, Gordon, why'd you do that commercial? I guarantee they come up to him saying, Gordon, man, I loved you in that commercial. The same thing with Malenko. Uh, I know he he caught on the the Cuban community. They hated him so much when he was first, you know, doing his heel gimmick. But when he turned babyface, no, it wasn't as big as a dusty turn. But when Malenko turned babyface, all the Cuban people, and I knew Frankie Reyes, uh, shout out Frankie, and some of the other guys down there, um, Louis Estrella, and and some of the guys that I knew, they they were young fans at the time when Malenko turned that they loved it. You know, they just loved Malenko. They opened with open arms, or took him in with open arms. I'm sure some of those Cuban guys down there at the restaurants or wrestling matches or at the gym that Malenko was at or whatever, I'm sure they didn't go up to him and, and try to bury him about getting beat by a master. I'm sure they went up to him going, hey, Professor Malenko, saw you on that commercial, man, you know, or or whatever it was. I guarantee it, that commercial got over, man. Yeah, I'm sure it did. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny to me to go back and you watch something like that. Because, yeah, you're right. There's no way nobody was afraid of Boris Malenko after that because he could still stretch your ass. Yeah. And, yeah, and nobody nobody took a penny off of him. And it's funny to me when I hear this shit about, oh, comedy wrestling. There's always been comedy wrestling. Yeah. there It has always been there. Now, it may not be as over the top as now, but wrestling is way different than it's ever been. I mean, it's it's all out in the open. It's all fucking kayfabe. Uh, kayfabe is all broken. There are no secrets anymore, which is why somebody's going to figure out a way to pretend that they're doing pretend wrestling, make it look like they're really kicking the shit out of each other. But when people ask, oh, no, no, it's totally scripted. Yeah, our guys aren't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And then that's going to double, that's going to double whammy the kayfabe and it'll, some guys will be believable. I'm thinking yeah. that's what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he, Boris Malenko can pull a comedy bit, anybody can, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now, that being said, I remember watching that. I was like two beers in when, when I was watching that. And I'm like, what the fuck am I even looking at? <laughs> oh, man, I found it a while back. I don't know what it was, and I pull it up a couple of times a year, and I just thought we'd just, I thought, oh. I don't know if you had seen this or not, but I thought, oh, let's just throw this in here, man. It's something fun, kind of break up the, the show a little bit from the seriousness of it, even though we always try to have fun with, with the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and also, like I said, man, when I say Gordon having heat, I don't mean like bad heat. I just mean like good heat that you know yeah. people believed in him, that Gordon solely, like I said, they, uh you know, people probably didn't go up and make fun of or laugh at they they took it serious, like, fuck, that's Gordon Soley selling me a mattress. You know yep. what I'm saying? I'm that that's the Professor Malenko. If it knocked out Malenko and he slept that comfortable. I mean that there's comedy, but it's also I think it's that serious that that you know, this uh, Badcock uh, furniture thought, hey, let's for whatever reason, let's put these two guys together and make commercial and it, it turned out pretty damn good, man. Mm-hmm. Um and I, like I said, I doubt either one of them lost their head of steam uh, over at commercial. They probably put a dime in her pocket making it, or at oh, least I hope they did. You uh, know, yeah, I'm sure they did. Um, now, see, if I was bad, now I'm not. I'm not an advertising copy guy, and I'm about to demonstrate <laughs> why. If I was this mattress company, I would. I, my commercials would say things like. Is your wife having trouble sleeping? Why not give her a bad cock? Bad cock mattresses. 
<laughs> oh, man. I have no segue for that except for let's move on to number one, Jeremy. All right. So, <laughs> so Professor, take us to number one, and we'll shoot out of here in just a little bit, man, because I know we went on and on to this episode probably a little bit longer than what we normally do, but we wanted to have fun with this, and we really mm-hmm. wanted to do it right. That was a thing, as Jeremy said at the top of the show. We wanted to do it justice, and I hope we've done so. Lead us on, Professor. All right. So there is one name that is synonymous with wrestling in Florida, and that name is Eddie Graham and his son, Mike Graham. And the Graham family, which we're going to see how everything fits together here in a moment. Eddie Graham was born uh, Eddie Gossett. He started wrestling in 1947 in the state of Texas at the age of 17. You know, you notice all these wrestlers, like they started before they were even legally able to do, you know, like a fast food job. You ever notice that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, He was trained by Cowboy Latrall. He was billed as the brother of Buddy Rogers initially, and he wrestled under the name Rip Rogers. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. That is. That's always like when you find out there was a Dutch Mantel wrestling in like 1914, you know. I I knew this only because I know Rip Rogers, and he's told me the story before or said it on a podcast. So I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's great. So what he did was he used the Graham name after the Rip Rogers era where he became... The kayfabe brother, was your brother or cousin? Well, yeah, brother. Yeah, Let's brother see. of Dr. Jerry Graham, Crazy and Luke. And cousin of Crazy Luke, yeah. Yeah. So he, he fit in, and of course, superstar Billy Graham is part of that same family. He was a little yes. bit more off to the side, though, I think, very often. But So he started off as a heel, like most of the Grahams were, but eventually he would he would go good. Um, he took over the territory completely in 1971. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was wrestling, I mean, he feuded with everybody, the Bastines, uh, the, the Kangaroos, Mark, uh, Mark Lewin, Don Curtis, singles and tag teams. Also, guys, you got to remember tag team wrestling in the 50s, 60s, and 70s was big, especially in the South. Like, yes. bigger than singles matches very often. So when you see these things and you think, oh, he was just tag wrestler out bullshit, that's where a lot of these guys made their money was, you know, being a big thriving tag market like florida was part of it this time yeah um of course we kind of covered what happened with eddie he went on committed committed suicide the company folded shortly thereafter and then his son mike graham tried to bring it back but unfortunately somebody some dirty bastard trademarked the name that he wanted to do it so he that's when he switched to florida championship wrestling yeah um, and they never really took off. Now we go fast forward into the future quite some ways. There was another Florida championship wrestling. It is now known as NXT. Uh, it was a developmental territory for the WWE, and then it was blown up into its own third promotion now. So mm-hmm. some element of Florida championship wrestling still exists, whether it's the stars they created. Uh, I'm sure guys like Gary Hart, Kevin Sold, and all of them learned how to book while they were there. Dusty Rhodes. Oh, yeah. yeah, we know Dusty Rhodes. That's where he cut his teeth as a hero, as a booker, you know, everything. Um, it is a huge territory that some of us probably don't think of enough. I know I didn't know enough about it, and that's why I was really excited to do this episode. Yeah. Because this gets me off my ass and makes me go research things and find out more about them. And that's why, since we've gotten back, we've done these deeper dives, and I've enjoyed the hell out of it. 
Yeah, I have too. Once again, fans, Professor put a lot of behind the scenes work in on this and sends me some notes and we edit, modify, et cetera. The, um, the main thing on this here too is, you know, we got to watch some really, if you go to that, um, that 106 North Albany, um, it's just a, um, just, you know, you can find your own way on YouTube. I don't have to tell you, but that's one I came across. Um, and I think, you know, just just to be putting some really good footage. And, you know, if you're doing nothing on a Sunday night and you're sitting on your couch playing for your dick or something, you might as well put some wrestling on. Have you a cold beer, cold beverage of your choice, whatever. And, um, uh, you know, it's wintertime. We got some great weather day, by the way, Jeremy. Just want to say it was uh, fall here in Kentucky's come in beautifully this week uh, we've had a great week uh just bragging out there for the rest of the country to let you know there is some good out there yeah but, um yeah if you're getting a hot beverage you know uh, cocoa or whatever you whatever your preference is beer or cocoa or water i don't really care i'm just getting at the point man there's some you can do a deep dive uh luckily someone's been putting up some really good footage of some championship wrestling from Florida lately and um you can get some good footage so that's what's been fun about it too plus we knew we could laugh and joke around uh it, but we wanted to try to do this episode justice too with all these great names that come through there um the one thing i'm going to say jeremy one more just just going to put this out there uh definitely not going to end the show on a downer but just wanted to say that the uh the national suicide prevention hotline where we did you know have to deal with this uh, Eddie, you know Graham uh, took his own life, and um, many many years ago, if you if you have any problems or struggling with anything, um, you know the number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Just want to put that out there for one more plug for anyone if you're thinking you know hey I don't even want to talk to or whatever whatever your situation is I hope it don't get that desperate I hope this show has maybe made you laugh or maybe you smile. Or we brought up a name or someone that just uh, kicked you right in the pants and you said, oh, man, I remember that. Or I remember that angle or, or whatever. It brings back so many memories for me from just, you know, getting a live in Florida, in Orlando, and then down in Tampa. Then eventually I lived over in the Clearwater side for a while, not too far from Indian Rocks Beach. My brother and I uh, were both single at the time, and he was just starting his ministry, and I was just getting my wrestling career off. And I got to spend uh, uh, some nights just walking on the beach with him, uh, many nights out there training, getting to go to the gym with my brother. Um, as my nephew and my my son say, man, that was uh, to hear us talk. My brother and I talk. You know, we're both in our fifties now, and they're like, uh, and they're my son and his son are you know early twenties, and they're like, we're just we're living, we're having a we're living the best life, man. We're we're living like you and Dad were, as what my nephew will say, or my brother, my boy will say. Dad, we're we're living like you and Uncle Jimmy. You know, it's one of those things where like some of the best times of my life were were living in Florida. You know, from the hard ass training on that hot asphalt to uh, to having matches all over the great state of Florida to where um, struggling to to get to a booking to make thirty five or fifty dollars uh, or a hundred dollars, whatever it was, to to get to go to Universal Studios in Orlando and stay in a really nice hotel and be paid by WCW to perform on their worldwide tapings. You know, so. Um, uh, to making a good dime there, getting to do something uh, for a small part of your life that, that, that you really want to do with your life. So a lot of good memories there. Uh, the only thing about Florida to me is, and I'm a, we'll, I'll shut up here and we've got Jeremy finish us up and we're going to sign off, but um, it's it's too damn hot in some places that I live that down here for me. I just feel like, do I want to go south as I'm older now and is that too far south? And another thing that might be more scary than this or more scary than a heat, Jeremy, is that damn Florida man. I mean, like I mentioned, a girl on a scooter through a Target. I'm telling you, there's always something on the news. 
you just can't tame Florida. Florida is a it, it needs to be its own country, kind of like Texas, yeah. maybe like California. Florida over here down there, there's parts of Florida, man. There are people just I don't know that I lived I moved there not once but twice. <laughs> you know I lived there two different times, once for 14 months, and then I went back for like another eight months. Um, and I and I loved it because I was young and single and and and, and all that. It, just living, you know, living freely, if you will. But, but also, man, as people like me <laughs> was moving there, and it made that damn state nuts. <laughs> oh, nothing against you, Florida, but damn, watch out for Florida, man. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I've heard some weird things. I've never been to Florida. Um, Mississippi and Virginia are the closest, and that's not even that close. So I, I don't yeah. know much about it. All I know is that it's got gators, humidity, chiggers. It, it's weird. Yeah. It looks like it's peeing on Cuba for some reason. Hey, man, down there in Tampa Town, they got the outlaws, man. Gator country. They got green grass, and they got high tides, and it sure looks good to me, Jeremy. I'm telling you, that's Florida, man, baby. It's crazy down there. <laughs> With that, for Tex Johnson, Bobby Blaze, and myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, so long from the Sunshine State.